Hi, I'm Steve Dewey. We're here in beautiful Washington, D.C. again at the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery meeting. And again, I'd like to thank Evolve Medical Education for asking me to talk about horizontal chop. And this is the third in a series of three videos. And really, this is talking about kind of dealing with the ultimate density lens, the one that has that really horrible leather posterior plate. And I know a lot of people do flips during surgery, but this is a specifically timed flip in dealing with these cataracts that will allow you to have direct access to that, that leathery posterior plate. I'm at the Colorado Springs Eye Clinic in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm a consultant at Johnson & Johnson Surgical Vision, and I do receive royalties from microsurgical technology. So those dense leathery cataracts, boy, how do, you, how do you handle those? You know, in the clinic you think, wow, this is gonna be a longer case, longer sedation. I'm gonna have a poor red reflex to create challenging visualizations, let alone not visualize some of the, the comorbidities you'd like to see more easily. You're gonna use more ultrasound energy delivered into the eye, more irrigating fluid. Your surgical technique is gonna require modification. There's little or no cortex to, to, to cushion the capsule. And then the cherry on top, you get to that leathery posterior plate, and boy, I went into this to make people see better and have fun, and, and wow. But there's, there's some things we can do to make it easier on ourselves and on our patients. So dense cataract considerations, I touched on this last time. You, you wanna communicate with the OR staff. You know, Make sure you're comfortable, make sure the patient's comfortable, make sure the anesthesiologist knows that, that the patient needs to be really comfortable. Tripan blue to improve visualization. Obviously, improve your chamber stability with either tight incisions yourself or pressurized infusions to make up for the leaky incisions. And expose more needle, retract the irrigation sleeve. And this is a key. You really want to give it kind of an extra half twist so that that needle is extended just a little bit further out. And that way, the, the sleeve will still top, stop penetration in a dense nucleus, but you've got more working needle, more working instrument to help you in your emulsification. So when we've got dense cataracts, how do we, how do we reduce the delivered phaco power? Well, you don't really want to trench these cases because you pour a lot of energy into the eye just to, to get the trench made and segmented. So chopping techniques versus sculpting is so much more effective. You also want to use pulsed, micropulsed, non-longitudinal modalities of phaco emulsification to provide you with that, that best level of power delivery. Liberal use of dispersive viscoelastic, not only to protect the endothelium, but to cushion the posterior capsule. And then awareness that you may stumble into other things that you really hadn't visualized before, like guttata, which becomes so much easier to see with a good red reflex, or pseudoexfoliation, which may be virtually impossible to see, uh, either due to dilation or the density of the nucleus and the lack of visualization. So we're gonna take this case all the way through. So we've obviously used tripan blue here to, to improve the visualization of the anterior capsule. And we're gonna do an extra large capsulotomy. Now you don't really need it to be too big because you may need the anterior capsule or opening to help you support your, your lens in case of other events. But at the same time, you also need it large enough to perform extra manipulations. And this is also, the tripan blue is gonna allow you to visualize the rim of the capsule during the entire case. So the hydrodissection in this case took me a minute and a half, but you don't get to see the wave, but you really have to do your best to fully mobilize the nucleus because obviously that's gonna facilitate cataract removal in any density cataract. And so now we're gonna go ahead and do a chop and we're gonna really not do it very well. And so I'm trying to apply vacuum, trying to get good stabilization, trying to wrap my chopper. And it really, this lens is telling me it, it doesn't want to come out. And so this was a, a real challenge, but at the same time, 
we're applying high levels of vacuum, low levels of power to try and achieve the split until we get it cleaved. And now we've got this chop that, that's more or less propagated, but I can tell it hasn't gone through that leathery posterior plate. Now, I cut out an awful lot of the debulking in this case, where I'm, I'm basically going in, as I discussed in the last video, and I'm really trying to approach the nucleus at the, the upper third, the lower third, so I can really turn it into kind of a flower petal. I'm really trying to hollow out the segments, so we kind of end up with this shell of a nucleus that's kind of divided in four quadrants, but it's still attached at that leathery posterior plate. And so we're, we're continuing to work against this nuclear fragment, continuing to separate things until I get to the point where I realize I'm just not getting it done here. How am I going to handle this? And so I came up with this technique a couple of years back. And you take the phaco needle and you put it into the distal quadrant. And once you get it in the distal quadrant and you've got it impaled, you can then lift the needle and pull the needle towards you while you take the second instrument and you kind of nudge it until the whole thing is flipped. And now the leathery posterior plate is now directly exposed. The hollow shell of the nucleus is protecting the posterior capsule, so I'm not working right next to the capsule. And now I can work on that leather posterior plate, and I can take both instruments and I can go to it. I can take my chopper, and I can take my needle, and I can bring the two so it's a horizontal chop, but on the posterior aspect of the needle. And I can deliver power directly to those segmentations. And again, in this case, we're using Venturi vacuum. And Venturi vacuum, again, has relatively unique characteristics to it. But the thing I love the best, it doesn't regenerate. Now, this is what I'm doing in terms of a graphic. We're going to take a short burst of Venturi vacuum and power, and we're going to hold it in foot pedal position two to grip that distal quadrant. We're then going to lift the needle. Again, we're in foot pedal position two, so we've got 500 millimeters of mercury vacuum turning the needle into a manipulating tool, and we're using the second instrument to push the, the proximal quadrant down, trying to elevate. Now, you're not trying to push it all down. You don't want to push this into the vitreous. You want to lift, but you want to rotate while you're doing it. And you continue to flip, holding foot pedal position two. So again, the needle is now a manipulating instrument, not a removal instrument. And once we get it to that certain point where the needle is, is actually impeding the ability to keep flipping it, you then release your vacuum, push the superior pole at this point down, and now what was anterior is posterior, and what was posterior is now anterior. And now that leathery plate is directly exposed. And again, you can work on that with the horizontal chopping instruments. Again, in my case, a very blunt chopper and a very blunt needle. And the capsule is, again, well protected because, again, the, the edges of the nucleus are actually supporting that. So again, Venturi vacuum has some unique properties in that it doesn't really uh, regenerate like peristaltic. And here I see, I'm going to reapply some viscoelastic, good dispersive viscoelastic, about halfway through the case. So I try to remember once I see that second quadrant vanish if I hadn't already applied it before. And by the way, it's also a good idea to do the viscoelastic before you do the flip. And I apologize, I didn't do it in this step. So is it mandatory? No. Is it advised? Yes. So kind of like your parents used to tell you, do as I say, not as I do. But we're using the, the higher levels of vacuum against the fragments to basically manipulate this material until we get it into the proper position for emulsification. With peristaltic vacuum, you have to have an occlusion to achieve higher vacuum levels. 
With Venturi Vacuum, the vacuum is constant. And so that's the thing I actually prefer about Venturi Vacuum is that firm grip that you have on that nuclear fragment isn't going to vary depending on whether the needle is occluded or not. Now, please understand, occlusions occur, period. They occur all the time. Every single case, you're going to have occlusion after occlusion after occlusion. It's all a matter of what are the fluidics taking place while that occlusion occurs. Now the flip. A couple observations I've made. You need to have that attached quadrant, and it needs to be distal to the incision. And so you've already segmented and failed. You've done it as best you possibly can. And the nucleus is thoroughly debulked. Now you need to have blunt instruments for flipping. Now, why do I feel strongly about that? Well, the procedure is generally well visualized, but you can't necessarily always avoid contact between the instruments and the capsule, especially in a procedure where some of the steps aren't necessarily perfectly visualized. Part of that is also just the density of the cataract. You can't see through it. Now, you have to maintain grip on that distal fragment to manipulate it. So higher levels of venturi vacuum, to me, work best. Uh, but you want to leave enough material distal to the incision to get a good grip. And then once it's gripped, using ultrasound, unfortunately, will disrupt the hold. So you can't really go into foot pedal position three without losing that grip. And in a case I'm about to show, even getting the nucleus oriented vertically will allow you to approach that uh, leathery posterior plate, but not against the posterior capsule. So here's another case of the flip, and, and we're already, we've already debulked this nucleus, we've, we've really been hammering at this high for a while, and, and you can see I've got my vacuum levels at, at basically 500, and as soon as we start applying enough power, I can actually get a grip on that distal fragment, but again, there has to be enough material there to get that grip. And really, that's the beauty of, of the impaling, is that you're creating a hole, and you really want the needle to conform to that hole. And so now you've got this suction that's taking place inside the hole, and that's what turns it into the manipulating instrument. And as soon as you have the opportunity, then you can rotate the lens, basically flip it on its horizontal axis. So now that leathery posterior plate is now anterior. And again, the, the, the petals of the, this, this flower, if you will, are of the nucleus are now protecting the posterior capsule. So now you've got separation. Now you can really apply some power to that leathery posterior plate. And for years, I would really try to work on, on that little area. But boy, you're working right next to the capsule and, and you're trying to do some very delicate dissections right where you don't want to be having your instruments as far as, as working against that delicate space that you're going to use to support the lens. And again, you don't ever want to do vitrectomies in these cases because again, there's been enough energy put in the eye, enough inflammation, you don't really want to you know, have problems like that that could further reduce the, the uh, potential outcome that these patients are expecting. And so again, Venturi vacuum, we see wonderful levels emulsifying these quadrants. So once they're free and easy, once the, the, the material is now available to be completely mobile, that, that vacuum can be applied and that energy can be used to remove these segments with lower levels than you'd have if you're using lower levels of vacuum. I do use peristaltic vacuum, and sometimes I have to use peristaltic vacuum just to make certain that kind of I'm challenging myself in terms of what am I trying to achieve here. Now, I, I titled this one The Challenging Flip. I'm not sure, is the capsulotomy a little smaller? I'm not sure in this case that it is. Is it that I'm using peristaltic vacuum? Well, I'm getting some pretty high levels of vacuum here, so that might not be it. I'm not sure I completely debulked this lens as well as I should have. 
And so the question is, did I become impatient and I just went towards the flip, as opposed to going ahead and going at the edges of the wedge of the lens, where I would start to hammer it here, hammer it here, hammer it here, hammer it here. But this is a case where I actually did get it a little bit more vertical. And as soon as I actually had it a little more vertical, I was actually able to achieve a little bit more emulsification because now I have a different aspect that I can approach it. So when you're dealing with basically your, your flower petal type of cataract, the problem is you only get aspects available to you that, that you can approach. Well, as soon as you get it vertical, now all of a sudden you've got new areas where you can actually work on those fragments with power. And those are, those are fresher areas you haven't, uh, haven't worked on yet. And so um, still using peristaltic vacuum, but you can see the middle graph and is, the is the vacuum graph. The upper graph is the aspiration graph. Aspiration upper, vacuum lower, middle. And you can see that, that in cases where I, I've got occlusions forming and occlusions breaking, occlusions forming and occlusions breaking, the two graphs almost look like you could interdigitate them. Now here we're going to just go ahead and recharge the anterior chamber again with dispersive viscoelastic. Um, don't ask me what stimulated me to do it right here, but at the same time I think, yeah, I think it's just time. And so it's always nice to have your staff uh, kind of have that option to, to, to kind of suggest that it's time, maybe for a little more dispersive viscoelastic. I never mind it when they nudge me along that way. Uh, but here we go back in, and again, now we're going to continue to work on this very dense leathery nucleus. So the advantage of peristaltic vacuum when you're dealing with, with less dense nuclei is that you can separate flow from vacuum and, and have a little bit better chamber stability. But when you're dealing with these really dense cataracts, especially at this stage, sometimes Venturi is better. Now, here's another case I did with peristaltic vacuum, and I call this one the protracted flip. And again. I think I ran into the same situation here. I think I ran into the same situation where I hadn't debulked the nucleus enough. So what you have to have is you have to have a, the flower petal nucleus. You have to have a reduction in material so that you've got some working room. But the biggest thing is you want that nucleus now to be a little bit flexible. So these dense nuclei are typically much thicker. And of course, they're, they're more rigid in terms of the lamellar structure. And of course, the lamellar, lamellae are more attracted to each other, more, more adherent to each other. And so you really have to remove enough material that you get that flexibility in that leathery posterior plate so that when you do attempt the flip, you have the opportunity to go ahead and just pull it over and it can kind of collapse on itself. So it kind of, I don't want to say it folds over, but there is a little bit of a compression within that, that nucleus so that as you're folding it over and flipping it, you have a better opportunity to achieve that flip within the confines that you're working. Um, and so again, in, in, I haven't really had a, a huge amount of cases. I don't have an N of 100 on these cases. Um, but in terms of is this going to be successful on a, a really shallow anterior chamber, I don't know. I would have to leave that to your discretion. Um, but as far as uh, from my perspective, I found it to be a very useful technique in really handling these cases uh, and very safely addressing that posterior leathery plate as long as I've set up the flip to properly be executed. Now this is the last case, and I apologize. The focus on this is a little soft, and, and I don't know what it is about the camera. Sometimes these, these cataracts are just shy and they don't want to stay in focus, but at the same time, I apologize. We were having a little trouble with the microscope foot pedal this day. But you might notice I was able to segment one of the, the four quadrants off of here, 
But at the same time, the other three just would not separate. So I thought, okay, it's time to do the flip. But the beauty of this is it is much more deliberately debulked. And so that, that leathery posterior plate is much more flexible. We were certainly able to segment that lens into its, its constituent quadrants more easily. So then we can basically go to that leathery posterior plate, separate those levels, bring them into different areas, and then basically go at each quadrant and remove it with higher levels of venturi vacuum. So did venturi vacuum contribute to the success of this one? Again, I, I, I've got to do a lot more study on this to really figure it out, and I'd appreciate as you are doing these cases. If you have feedback, I would love to hear from you. Um, but as far as, again, having the venturi vacuum, perhaps it's the efficiency of hollowing out that, that nucleus and turning it into that flower petal type, type cataract. Um, but in any case, I do firmly believe uh, that the venturi vacuum, the increased enhanced stability, allows for uh, greater transfer of energy. The magnetic followability allows that material to just come to the tip of the needle without really any effort. And again, using the Veritas vision system and the advanced chamber stab stability that we see with this, this instrument uh, is just fantastic. And so here we watch the last little bits of fragment disappear, of the cataract disappear, and there we have it, another satisfied customer and, and of course, satisfied surgeon. So the advantages of the horizontal chop, it again, works for any density of the nucleus. And again, you're going to control it from the equator. And it works on that leathery posterior plate as well. Less phaco power than sculpting, less stress on the zonules, independent of, personal, of pupil size. And again, my personal favorite for patient safety, horizontal choppers are blunt. They have no sharp edges. Thank you so much for watching and thanks so much to Evolve Medical Education. I really appreciate them inviting me to share this technique with you today. Um, I look forward to your comments. Uh, please feel free to reach out and um, good luck. Take care.